0: Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hedy Coleman Podcast where I have go in conversations with fabulous people so I can get their story out to you so you can learn from it, be inspired by it, and connect with them. I'm pumped about my first ever Teddy Coleman podcast meetup, so I had to tell you about this. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Uh, I want to build a real go in community around my podcast, a community of people who are striving to learn from each other, be inspired by each other, and just connect, just go deep with one another. This first one will be uh, primarily people that I have had on the podcast for a go in conversation. I hope to have more. Uh, that consist of maybe you all the audience and then also people that I have on the podcast just really digging in. And that way you all can even share stories with one another uh, in person and just get to know one another. Uh, I hope to host them maybe quarterly. We'll see. But I'm really I'm really excited about it. Like, I feel like this is a good direction that I'm going in and building this along with the podcast. These meetups uh, just will just really Help people, I believe, go in to go further, better in our stories, in your story. But anyway, so on this episode, I have a go in conversation with Jenna Worthing. Jenna is a wife, a mom, entrepreneur, and founder of Moms Who Work. Let's jump into the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I always ask this question when I start. Am I saying your name right, Jenna? Because I will mess up a name. Yes, sir. Jenna Worthen.
1: Yes, sir. You got Is that it? it? Yeah. yeah! <laughs> Did you
0: see that, ladies and gentlemen? Did you see that, huh? Yes, I got it right. So, Jenna, we're going to jump right into this. So thankful that you're uh, here with me today. And I'll just say we've already kind of talked about this uh, the pre podcast. Uh, we've met several times, Instagram, at the collective, uh, City Care. And so we're kind of familiar with one another follow you on social media so but for the people who are listening in or watching on youtube or whatever would you give your 120 second story
1: yeah thank you hedy so much for having me any yes. excuse to come to guthrie america and yes. hit up missy's donuts yes. if you haven't been you need to go uh i was actually born and raised right outside of kansas city missouri uh i moved to oklahoma to play soccer for southern oh. nazarene university and that was tremendous. And then, you know, I that was I graduated in 2008. And at that time, if you could get a job, you took whatever job you could find because there were not jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate to fall into a job at a political consulting company. And I thought I was going to go to law school. And I put that off and decided I wanted to see how this went and ended up getting my master's instead in political management. Uh-huh. So for the last 12, 13 years, I have... Uh, run a successful political and nonprofit consulting business primarily around fundraising and That has led me to I met my husband. We've got three kiddos two little boys and we have a baby girl She's two and a half months old. Okay, and we waited for she was a surprise baby We didn't find out if she was a girl or a boy ahead of time and it was just such a delight and so now, what I'm doing is I run my company. It's called the James Martin Company. Mm-hmm. And that is important to what we're going to talk about because uh, James and Martin are the middle names of my sons, but also the name of my dad and my grandfather.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay. So, and I
1: love the idea of, you know, considering our legacy and our past and how that inform, like what we carry forward with us yeah. matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have been, uh, I just wrapped up a contract with City Care as their chief storyteller. And that was just a joy. Uh, I own a stenopad company that I created called what? the Task Keeper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I love stenopads and there were What is a
0: stenopad? I don't even okay, know. Okay.
1: Okay, so a notebook that's bound at the top. Uh-huh. You know, and it flips this yes. way. Yeah. So there weren't beautiful ones. So I made one a few okay. years ago. So that's a little deal. And then I have Where
0: where do people find that
1: at? Uh The TaskKeeper dot com.
0: Taskkeeper. You know what? I think I've heard. Did you mention that at the collective? I might task have. Keeper. Yeah, it's
1: thetaskkeeper.com. Oh, the the, the task Taskkeeper.com was way okay. too expensive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the taskkeeper. Uh-huh. I'm just writing that. you can keep, perfect. Yeah, and, com. Okay.
1: And then my favorite project that I have right now, too, is I have curated a online community for moms who work. So it's called Mom Who Works and it's our goal is to redefine what it means to be a working mom in a world without working dads. And what I mean by that is no one ever calls my husband a working dad. Mm -hmm. But working mom is often comes with lesser pay and less career mobility and higher expectations. And I just want to re, you know, redo how that we have that conversation and help women.
0: Okay, so now I'm tired from yes. uh, all of that. So I, I'm the, <laughs> I have some other questions I was going to ask. But first of all, how do you manage all that? Are there some habits that you have in your life, some some routines to be able Because that's a lot to juggle. Yeah. And your and your mom and your wife. How do you juggle all that? Uh, well, for starters,
1: yeah, I mean, for starters, you have to ask for help, right? Yeah. So I've got a nanny that helps. I've okay. got someone that helps clean my home. You know, okay. like I've tried to outsource and empower others to yeah. do as much as they can. Uh, But yeah, I have a great nighttime routine. I have a good morning routine when I don't have a newborn, you know, (laughs) Um, uh, but I just found early when I had my first son of how important it was for me to keep things that made me feel like me, Yeah, you know? And so I've, I've also gotten very good. This is my number one thing right now is I believe your calendar is your capacity. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not in my calendar, if it doesn't fit, you know, it, we, I can't do it, Yeah. you know, and I've gotten really good. I've had to create like a no statement, yeah. you know, that just says like, thank you so much. I'm at capacity right now. Let me recommend you to ah, somebody else, like you know, which is, it's nice too. There's other people in my industry and they're coming up and I'd like to pass them stuff to do yeah. and learn. And I think it's just an idea of abundance over scarcity. Yeah. And uh, that makes all the difference for me.
0: That's really cool. Really cool. So Can you talk a little bit about what your night routine and your morning routine when it's great? The morning routine when you don't have a newborn? Sure. And kind of maybe how you decided on what's in the night routine and what's in the morning.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I have decided I absolutely hate are wild mornings, Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't want to be in the last minute trying to pack lunches and get kids to school on time because I've got to be at a meeting. Like, you know, so much of my life depends on like getting somewhere at the right time. Yeah. And what I, I actually just redid it this week and looked at like how much time do I need to do the things I care about? Mm-hmm. So I decided I needed ninety minutes at the beginning of the day, and I need ninety minutes at the end of the day. Okay. And then I kind of decided what fit in there. So I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits by yes, James Clear, yep. one of the best books yep. I read last uh, year. Uh-huh. And so his idea of cues yeah. really resonated yeah. with me. So if my kids go down for bed and I sit my butt on the couch, I'm not getting up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I have to put kids to bed and walk past the couch. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Or just remove the couch. Yeah,
1: like yes. just one no of the, couches in my exactly, house. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So instead, I go get in the bath mm-hmm. and it's like 15 minutes. It's yeah. not long, but I like decompress a yeah. little bit, chill out. Then that's easy to lead into some like light yoga or stretching. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a little bit more energy. And I can go ahead and, you know, pack lunches or do the thing. So I broke it into 30 minute increments to be honest with you. So it's like 30 minutes for me allowed for 30 minutes with my newborn because I want to make sure I didn't miss her that day, Mm -hmm. you know, and then 30 minutes prep for whatever that means. So sometimes that's work emails, packing lunches, just whatever I need to do to wrap up the day. So then in the morning, it's, you know, 30 minutes to get myself ready. 30 minutes to get the baby ready 30 minutes to get the boys ready you know and i just kind of broke it out into what those tasks were and then we jokingly called it our house the back math you know so like what time do we need to leave the house okay great i know i need to get 90 minutes before before that that. so
0: do you uh write that down on your calendar or do you have a a, yeah so
1: i hang clipboards outside my master closet like uh in the bathroom where i walk past so i actually have my monthly goals on a clipboard And I have my rhythm on, I call it my rhythm on the clipboard. And then I have uh, whatever workouts that I'm trying to squeeze in, you know, like, Uh and those are 10, 20 minutes tops right now. That's all I have time for. But, uh, yeah, you, that way I walk past it every day and just, it's this kind of reminder that like, Hey, this is the stuff you've decided matters. You need to stick to it.
0: Now that was the evening, right? Yeah. So what is the morning and what are some key things there?
1: Yeah. That's the, the morning was the, you know, I've got to get myself ready first. Yeah. Yeah, So that's 30 minutes. Okay. Yes.
0: You know, when you got to leave, you have that 90 minutes. Yeah. So I would
1: start, I would look at it that way. Like I think that people, this idea of a morning routine has gotten, I I love it. And I love when I can be getting up at five 30 and have all this time for myself, but I'm probably up at three 30. So like, I can't be doing that, you know? And I just think that people forget that in different seasons of life, those rhythms look different. Mm -hmm. So when you're following this entrepreneur that you love or somebody and you're like, holy cow, look at all the stuff they got done that morning. I'm like, oh yeah, their kids are 14. Yeah, like, yes, They don't need their, yes, you know. There's a big difference Or maybe there. they don't have kids. For sure, you know? yeah, It just uh-huh. looks different. So I think having grace for yourself and figuring out what are your non-negotiables and building those in and yeah. building everything around them. Yeah. Now I think, you know, I'm in a privileged position too, right? Like I can do that. Yeah. And because I own my own company, I've got some flexibility yeah. in how I spend my time. Yeah. Uh, But I think even if you've got a hard, you know, be in the office at this time. I mean, you know, I think that you can make it work. Just be realistic with how much time you can give yourself. And I think you can have one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Like you have a great night routine and your morning is just function. Yeah. You know, and that is perfect.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's really good. I wasn't expecting for us to do that. Now, how do you determine the goals that you have set? Because she said you have monthly goals. Yeah. So, do you have quarterly, annually? Yeah. So, and, and what are some of the things that you do to kind of come up with those?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I use, um, they're called power sheets. Mm-hmm. So, it's cultivatewhatmatters.com. They created this power sheets journal, goal setting journal. And you do a lot of work at the beginning of the year. And then each month you sit down and you build your tending list. So, I come up with monthly goals, weekly goals, and daily goals. Okay. And then that's what I hang outside that I can see. And what I do is I schedule myself a two hour personal alignment meeting, you know, at the end of the month. So I'm gonna be having mine actually um, tomorrow morning, I'm a little behind, but yeah. um, to where I redo those lists. Okay. And Hetty, I'm telling you, I have never once met every goal that's on that list. Yeah. Right, never yeah. once. But do you know what? I might meet that goal in eight months. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't start putting it on there today, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming in in eight months, but if I didn't put it on there today, then it's coming in 10 months or 12 months or, you know, and it's good reminders and mine, my daily is something as simple as it's walk, write and read. Like just as long as I can do those three things that day, you know, Mm -hmm. that's helpful. Um, My weeklies look like, you know, one-on-one time with each of the guys in my life. You know, okay, including yeah. my husband, hopefully, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know, he gets the last probably there, you know.
0: <laughs> Honey, you just didn't make yeah, the list. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that, yeah. that's our yeah. season of life. Yeah. And uh so and then I do the front work, you know, is you do have things I, I like to look at quarters. I think from a financial perspective, that's a lot more uh more practical mm-hmm. too. Um, and then just kind of look at life in its natural rhythms and seasons, yeah. you know? And so it's like, hey, I know not to do a whole lot in the summer when my mothering load is a lot more, yeah. right? Yeah. But I know that, hey, September, that's a great month for me because yeah. it's back in rhythms and back in routines. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing too that I like to do is like just schedule some block. You know, I do a lot of time blocking mm-hmm. so that I can get the most important things done
0: yeah. that
1: need to be happening. You know, the urgent, I think, yeah. it tries to...
0: Always mess over, that up yes, too much. The and you always just can't, tries to Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so listening to you seems like you're super organized, right? And I know it's all kind of, you can have your seasons where I'm super organized and then where I'm yeah, not. Yeah, don't organizing. look at my house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah
1: like, I'm yeah, not, not yeah. organized there. <laughs> uh,
0: so, going back to when you were a kid growing up, was there some things that, that, that kind of helped you become this person now? And what were those? Were there some key relationships or just kind of your personality?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it was, you know, it was just who God created me to be, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, but I I came from a family of high capacity leaders Okay. in different ways though. Like my dad is the most hardworking, detail oriented. I mean, I call him like an archivist. I mean like his ability to like track things and attention to detail. You know, and then my mom, I mean, you know, I watched her juggle, you know, teaching piano lessons out of our home, being a worship leader, being a full-time mom. Like, so I think I picked up on that. And, you know, they were really good at uh, empowering me to be involved in what I wanted to be involved in, but I still had to work. Mm. You know, like, we weren't in a situation where I was having a car and all that stuff if I didn't go to work. Yeah. So I had to figure out real quick how to keep all those things functioning. You know, and as a collegiate athlete, like, that was a lot yeah. of work, you know, uh-huh. and I've still had to work. So I think that they set high expectations, but they also were high grace, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that gave me the, I think it actually gave me the freedom to fail less yeah. than I would have if I was in a really rigid
0: situation. Yeah. That's good. When um, when you were younger, what did, what did you imagine yourself being when you, mm-hmm. you got older?
1: <laughs> I went through a couple different phases of that. So um, for a long time, I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist.
0: Okay. It,
1: I loved chemistry. I mean, I'm really nerdy, honey. It's fine. Uh, And then I learned about medical malpractice and court reform. So I'm telling you, I'm nerdy. So then I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. Um, But for a long time, I wanted to be like Secretary of State or a U.S. Senator because I thought that that was the way to have impact, right? I grew up with a very politically active family. I saw my mom. I mean, I can remember in third grade, my mom standing on the steps of the Missouri Capitol speaking. Oh, wow. And we okay. had a phone line in our home for a pack they had called Missourians for academic excellence. Okay. You know, like I can just remember those things. So that's how I thought you made a difference. Yeah. You know, and then now, as we talked earlier, there's lots of ways that make a difference. And mm-hmm. I find that I'm getting greater impact, you know, yeah. just in the private community Yeah. than I would yeah. as an elected official.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, so now that you've come to be who you are now but when you were younger were there some key relationships outside of your parents that you can speak of that was a mentor or something like that to kind of help you get to where you are now? yeah
1: you know I had some coaches along the way that really believed in me Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know I definitely had some coaches that didn't believe in me Mm -hmm. and I'm just now doing the work of undoing some of that you know Um, I can still you know I've always been too much for a lot of people you know so like I think that some of those relationships that mattered the most were the ones that believed in me and championed that in me you know um in high school I was in the you know student council or whatever and one of our our what do you call it sponsor for that uh-huh. you know Ms. Bublo like she was a huge champion for me yeah. and then I was in um speech and debate and we've had I've had a couple different teachers in there that um really championed you know that brings, as you can imagine, a very diverse group of people together, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that those were relationships that really mattered that said like, yeah, bring all of your complexities and bring all of your stories together and they're welcome here.
0: So s- talking about someone being a champion for you, I like that. Not even using the word mentor, but somebody who's champion for you. What were some right things that you saw them be consistent in to be a champion for you? Like, Is there anything that, that stood out to you like they were consistent in doing this?
1: Yeah, I think that part of it was uh, making me feel known and loved Mm -hmm. and making me feel seen, you know, Uh, taking that one on one time to say, hey, I know that you've been doing this. And then for me, it was also like kind of some of the public recognition that you got of that, too. Right. Like I'm a firstborn, (laughs) you know, and just saying like, hey, you know, Jenna was out. I used to kick the soccer ball at my stop sign because I would do a lot of free kicks. (laughs) And so that was like how I knew I could get the right height. And I would just back up and hit the stop sign, which I'm sure my neighbors loved, you know. But like, you know, I can still remember a coach saying that he had noticed that, you know, like and how great then I was doing on my set pieces. And, Uh you know, so when they they did the balance, you know, and then I also require being kept in check, Mm -hmm. you know, and that really matters to me. The people that felt our relationship was strong enough to say, hey, You know, you're wrong on this or you're out of bounds here. Yeah. You know, that mattered too.
0: That's good. So there's a couple of things. So my son plays soccer and he he is, he loves soccer. And, you know, I I remember a time whenever he was really always talking about soccer. I was like, Zell, if you really like soccer this much, you should be always having a ball at your feet. That was just the wrong thing to say because now
1: <laughs> there's always a ball at his feet and he's always that's kicking awesome it in the though. house and yeah.
0: yeah no 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 it's really good but I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that kicking at the stop sign I'm trying to think which stop sign he can do it be safe and not cars driving by yeah
1: yeah I lived on a cul de sac growing okay. like a T street so yeah. and it had this grass patch so I could just back up and mm-hmm. practice hitting that stop sign you know I imagine like in basketball it's you know you're yeah. shooting from different yeah. spots and that's how I was able to. That is that. a
0: brilliant idea it All was right.
1: a lot and you know if you don't hit it yeah it's a punishment to go yeah because you that gotta ball. go you, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? yes.
0: but I think that's one of the things that he's definitely needing to work on and that's I think that's that's a great idea uh, to, to be able to do that now you talked about being too much so self-awareness is so key right yeah when did you start being that self-aware like okay i and what did you mean by too much maybe I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. so
1: I can actually remember one of my childhood best friends was a year older than me and I know she didn't mean it this way, but I can still remember I didn't get invited to her birthday party one year because she told me like you're just too much, you know, because I'm loud and, you know, and and I can I did some work with um I worked with a life coach for a while for a year and a half and that was transformative for me, and we were just talking and it like somehow that experience came up to the surface and I can literally, Hetty, tell you that like that's that was when some things changed for me, wow, you yeah. know, and I would say that not on purpose but you know like that set me down a path of making some choices that I look back on now that you're like oh mm-hmm. I sh- why didn't I stick to my values on that one mm-hmm. or which I think we all do right yeah. like we all go through those seasons uh, but yeah I mean especially as a woman yeah. right mm-hmm. you know it's um it can be challenging I've I've been the only woman in a lot of rooms yeah, and that's usually handled with respect and courtesy and those yeah. kinds of things but you know when you're loud and opinionated in high school or college or, you know, like not everybody receives that really well, you know? And I think I've had to learn really well too, like what matters most, like when am I going all in on something, you Mm -hmm. know, like not Mm -hmm. everything warrants a response. Right. Yeah. And that's something too, I think that's unique about growing up with social media, you know, because the backlash of a knee jerk reaction is so much, can be so much bigger than it was, you know? And so I think we've just kind of had to learn, you know, what matters and, I think for telling good stories you know i don't want anything that i put out there to mean that we can't go to dinner to talk about it first mm, mm, you know mm. like i see that especially with the political stuff now you know it's like man i feel pretty left behind by a lot of things going on right now yeah. and it can be harder i don't i don't like the tone and tenor And if that's how you're presenting, like I don't want to go to dinner with you and talk about it where I think we could have a productive conversation. So I don't want anybody to feel like we can't go have a productive conversation about whatever it is. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's good. Now, you you talked about uh, telling stories. Yeah. You were the chief storyteller for CityCare. Um, how, How did you come into that? And when did you realize that you were a storyteller to where you say, I can go help a brand Tell better stories. What did that look like? How did you come into that?
1: That's so funny. So I, my career started politically, right? Which is telling stories. Mm -hmm. Like when candidates are running for office, Mm -hmm. their direct mail, the speeches they're giving, everything is building a story. And I fundamentally believe the most compelling story wins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I won't talk about which races to give yeah. you some of those examples. <laughs> I don't, you know, but like the most compelling story wins, uh-huh. and I think that that is true for nonprofits as well. So I have worked for a couple nonprofits and kind of got some of that experience too. Um, but I, I mean, I got connected to City Care. Just I, I really do feel like it was a season of preparation for me, yeah. um, and the Lord was just kind of preparing something that He had for me to do. And I got connected with the most excellent leaders. And I learned a lot from them mm-hmm. in that role, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that it just came down to, I can provide you consistency and I can provide you good narrative, yeah. you know? And and I believe that then that builds connection, which then builds buy-in and stewardship, you yeah. know? And if you just steward that cycle really well, you know, my bent is always fundraising. You know, you see the dollars come in and not because it's all about money, but because that it's all about garnering resources mm-hmm. to help those that don't have any. Yeah you know? Yeah. And I mean, I just, I learned so much there. And I just think at the end of the day, Sherry stories matter because we all share the human experience yeah. and we all have dignity, inherent dignity because we are people, Yeah, you know, and our stories look so different. But if you remember that, that resonates deeply with people. Yeah.
0: yeah. No. And that's what this podcast is all about. Is just letting people share their story yeah. because I know that when we do that, people are going to learn from you. Like, as, as people are listening, I'm learning from you. I'm over here taking notes <laughs> and trying to ask questions, right? Uh, and then we're inspired by one another when we share our stories and we connect deep, you know. Yeah. I always give the example, like, if I find out someone likes peanut butter and I like peanut butter, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we connect, right? Yeah, like, let's right. go eat some peanut butter right. together. And so it's cool to hear you talk about doing that for an organization or a brand and uh, even a political race where you're doing it for an individual, for yeah. their campaign, Um what What is your day-to-day as a storyteller? What does your day-to-day look like? Whenever yeah, you were so, doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we had social media, you're telling stories. I started a podcast, we were telling stories. And then it's stewarding communications to all your stakeholders, we're telling stories. Mm-hmm. It's introductory meetings with city officials or prospective donors or partners, you know, and you're still telling stories, Yeah, you know? And I think that it can be so hard because um, you wanna have metrics, right? But when you're doing work that's deeply relational, mm-hmm. that's hard to measure. Yeah, the yeah. only measurement is stories. Yeah. So when nonprofits don't tell good stories, yeah. no one knows about the depth and breadth of their work. Yeah. You know? And so that's what my day-to-day looked like, you know, was just, you know, I told you I time block a lot. So you mm-hmm. know, I could front load some of that social media, get it all kind of scheduled out, knowing ahead of time though what we were building towards. Yeah. Uh, one of my very favorite events we did was a luncheon called Transform the Night, and so we CityCare is opening the only low barrier night shelter for those experiencing homelessness in Oklahoma City. It'll be open um, later this year, and we built this whole story around transforming the night. And what does that look like? That starts with us who aren't experiencing homelessness transforming our, you know, transforming our perspective. Mm-hmm. Once you hear a story, you can't unhear it, mm-hmm. right? So we have to have some exposure. And transforming how we see our position, our resources, our grace, our love, and how yeah. do we leverage that for others? Yeah. yeah, And we just built a really beautiful narrative around that that combines spoken word, art on the walls, music. I mean, you know, it's just when you think about the five senses and how can you engage all of them, mm. that's going to be a more memorable experience. Yeah. And it was lovely.
0: We're talking about the five senses and kind of understanding, like, when somebody walks in the room, you're trying to get them to experience all five. Um is there some other things that you can kind of rattle off for people that would be simple to help them become better storytellers?
1: Yeah. So I think that let's use the five senses thing. And this is something that Rachel Freeman at city care taught me really, really well. So I'm not, I'm highly organized. Um, for many years, I thought that managed and I was, I had to be an administration, mm-hmm. right? Cause I was usually the only girl in the room mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. but the Lord gifted me with the ability with vision and strategy. So I could see something 10 steps ahead. So I knew these steps that all, you know, one through nine that needed to be done to get to 10, but no one else saw them. So I was the one willing to do the grunt work, the hard work to get to that because it mattered. Yeah. Well, through the self-discovery journey, if you want to call it that, you know, I learned that no, I'm visionary and strategic and details don't matter a lot to me. And she taught me how important they are to curating the beginning of a story. Hmm. So it starts with something as simple as like, what is the invitation you're sending? like. Are there textures of paper? Are there design elements that start to connect with people Mm -hmm. to build this story? Mm -hmm. You know, and she's masterful at that. And I've learned so much from her there. Uh, And then, you know, how do you start to um, engage their senses when they come in? You know, it's like, what's the food style set up? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like just these things that you would never think that really matter. Yeah. So that luncheon's an easy example. We had, um, you know, giant charcuterie on each table, family style, you know, because like we wanted to inspire conversation and connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't do that sit at or, seated around a round table yeah. with everybody in their own plate, yeah. right? Yeah, You know, so just how do you start to build what you're trying to get to at the end of the day? Yeah. You know, and I think it starts too with not, um, not coming in too strong. Yeah. You know, because when you present something especially homelessness is an issue or foster care, is something I'm passionate about. It can seem so overwhelming if you start out with, there's over 400,000 kids in foster care in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I can't do anything about that, you know, <laughs> but if I can come down to you and say, Hey, you're in X County and there are 13 kids there. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that, that's something that you can help yeah. with.
0: Yeah. That's good. So that's in talking about events there. Um, Is it the same when approaching a story on social media? Like, what does that look like? What were some things that you learned or tips that you could provide?
1: The number one thing to me is your photography matters. Mm -hmm. Pay for professional photography. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram is high image. Yeah. You know, and you know the difference between a great photo and a not so great photo. Yeah. um, And it's affordable to find great photography. Yeah. Because that's the starting point, you know? And then it's building that content out, right? And I think it's kind of... Fleshing out like what requires a long post, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. How many times am I going to tell you about an issue before I call you to action? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't start out with, come volunteer at this. You know, yeah. like it's like, hey, no, 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 let me build some buy in with this issue. Let me expose you to something yeah. and then give you several opportunities to yeah. respond. Yeah. I think that that matters.
0: That's good. So, what did you learn some tricks on determining when to use a long post, when not to? Like, that just doesn't naturally come to mm-hmm. everyone. Is there something to help people be able to do that and, and kind of gauge that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I think that number one is consistency matters, yeah. right? So, like, you're building some loyalty there, yeah. you know? And I just think that you have to, you know, you have to balance it. But if you're in the middle of a campaign or a story, long narrative is fine because I think that the piece that you're missing is repetition, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to tell the same story on Instagram that you're telling on Facebook, that you're telling in your email, Mm -hmm. that you're telling in your letter. You know, they need to all start to tie in together and just pay attention to your metrics. You know, like if you're noticing that like, oh, those long posts are only getting 10 likes, but a quote card that's getting 50 likes. Mm -hmm. Well, then I'm probably going to shorten my copy on the beautiful image. That's not drawing a lot of attention. I'm going to increase some of my copy on some of those quote cards Mm -hmm. to start to build that narrative, whatever that looks like. Um, so just pay attention to those metrics. And, and also I think that an important thing I've learned is just stay true to the story you want to tell because the people that matter are going to find it and they're going to read it and they're going to buy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, can you share some brands that you feel like do a really good job at storytelling? Do you have some that you've been watching or used to watch or
1: yeah, so um, I know this is back to soccer, but I feel like the U.S. Women's National Team, oh, okay. their players, and even like their official, I feel like they've been doing a really good job of telling the story of that women's team, mm-hmm. you know. And then you watch the other brands that have seen that as an opportunity and come around it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, they've got obviously the equal pay discussion that they're having. They are talking about you know just the disparity of opportunity that women have had in sports versus men, and I feel like they have been the tipping point. For blowing that up to every, you know, to every sport, yeah. you know, it's been really fascinating to watch. Yeah. I think that they do a really incredible job. Um, somebody locally that I think does a good job is, um, I think the Chickasaws do a really good job okay. telling their story yeah. through some of their um, media, uh-huh. and I really love those Bank First commercials. You know, of the different uh towns in Main Street, you know, I don't know. It's just that beautiful imagery Uh really matters. Yeah. Uh, But it, it feels, I feel like everybody kind of has a connection to something like that Mm -hmm. here in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not from here, but my grandparents are from a small town, you know, like everybody kind of has that in their, in their family, I feel like. And it's an easy connection point. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's good. Um, Going back to something you mentioned earlier, being the only woman. In the room sometimes sometimes I can be the only african-american in yeah, the room sure and what what are some things like what would you tell some ladies like when if they come into that that moment where they look around and like I'm the only woman in the room yeah what What have you learned from that and what do you do to kind of make it um, I guess more comfortable for yourself and sure. for maybe the, the guys in the room what is sure. there something you do
1: um I actually do I wear a skirt mm. <laughs> so I uh, a friend of mine and a former client, uh, Patrice Douglas, had taught me a long time ago to not shy away from being a woman. Like that I don't need to walk in the room and act like the men to get my work done. Mm-hmm. That my femininity and my strength was required in that room. Yeah. So um, I always like to wear a heel so that I know I can look somebody in the eye. Mm-hmm. It helps me feel strong. Uh, and then I like to wear a skirt that just says, like, I'm embracing that I am full yeah. woman here. And I'm not saying, you know, I own pantsuits too; they're great, you know. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't feel the need to act the way the men did. Um, and also, I think just biding your time mm-hmm. till you have a really important contribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to sit in those rooms, and both women and men both can do this. But it's it's easy to sit there and listen to everybody talk about how much they know. Yeah. You know, but whenever you can come in with a really good bite, like that's powerful. Um, and then I always try to be for them, for my client, you know? And so sometimes I'm the only one in the room asking them what's best for them Yeah. when they've sat in this room and heard from all these other people about what they can be doing for them or how they should be doing things. And so I can kind of come in and counter, you know, be the counterpoint of like, but you know, what do you want to do? Like, what does this look like for Mm -hmm. you? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really powerful.
0: Oh, that's good. That is so good. So, you've probably done that a number of times now. Do you feel like you've gotten to a place where it's like it's become common for you, or do you still every time you walk in the room, like you're aware of that?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm aware of it because I also have started. You know, I like to try to mentor along some other gals too, Mm -hmm. and so I think I notice it too when I can sense somebody else is uncomfortable in that room. Yeah, you know, and it's like I kind of want to just come behind them and be like stand tall and firm in who you are because we need who you are in this room. We don't need who you're trying to be because I'm seeing that, you know, I think that that's, it's like, give me, here's the permission to be exactly who you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and feel strong in that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't feel uncomfortable anymore, but I'm older now, you know, I've got a lot more experience and that's one of my things um, that I'm trying to help. In, you know, inspiring the gals that are coming along behind me. I think the more women we have in those leadership roles, the more women we get. For sure. Period. And I think that that will really make a difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. Since we're talking about women being in a room, being the only woman, let's go back to mom who works. Like, when did you say to yourself, I need to do this, regardless of everything that's on my plate, and was there was there a moment that clicked for you? Mm-hmm. Do you have that story?
1: Yeah, I do. So uh, actually I was on a run. It was September of two thousand sixteen and I only know that because I had to like stop and make a note in my phone. Okay. And it felt like, you know, I was tired ty- you know, I was not tired of working, but I was tired with of the expectations that came on a working mom. Mm-hmm. And I was in a season two with like, my husband was super busy and I just was like, no one is expecting the same things from him that people are expecting of me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, also in that season work while a huge priority and in seasons is definitely the priority. My family is my priority Mm -hmm. now too. You know, I'm a new mom at that point. My son was, you know, almost a year old and it's like the ordering of the words mattered Mm -hmm. does that make sense like working mom implied that my work came first and that wasn't true for me anymore and it had been true for a very long time and so just this i felt like divine concept came to me i buy the domain names i'm like i own a bazillion domain names it's really embarrassing but uh so you know it was just like this idea of what is you know a mom who works and then i just felt like this outpouring too of like what about a mom who quits what about a mom who fails? Yeah. What about a mom who dreams? What so about you, a mom all, who believes? All
0: those
1: I'm, I'm centering it all around, <laughs> under mom who works, Hetty. Um, but I do hope that you know I want those conversations. Yeah. Yes, you know? yes, uh, yes. So that was. But you know, it took me over two years to actually do anything about it. Mm. It felt so special and important, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And I don't regret that waiting season uh, because I think you know it's like hurry up, hurry up. Somebody else is going to do your thing, and I just don't believe that. Like. Yeah. I believe that there you can do exactly what you're designed to do, yeah. like and in the time that you need to do it in.
0: And if somebody else is doing it, it's, so, it's okay. There's so many opportunities totally. out there for people, and
1: everybody has a different perspective. Yeah, and experience. A different angle on it. Yeah, you know, like we're talking about working motherhood is like not new, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you didn't go come on long. Instagram for five <laughs> seconds, right? You know. Yeah. But my perspective, my experience is different, uh-huh. you yeah. know, and that matters.
0: So for, for the moms that are working out there, they, they come and just follow you on social media? What, what yeah. does it look like for yeah. them to be so, a part of mom? Thank uh, you for mom- asking. Yes. Uh,
1: yes, at mom who works, uh, momwhoworks.com. Um, and there are some sections there that like we offer reinforcements. So you could submit a question you're having. And then I have some experts that I rely on to help you answer your questions. Uh, And then we've started hosting meetups, and we're going to be hosting our first meetup and retreat uh, April 30th to May 1st of 2020, and that'll be here in town. We're bringing in a powerhouse speaker, and uh, I just really believe it's going to be a time for uh, community and empowerment. Um, And also I just feel like you do, you need that like reinforcement, just to Mm -hmm. know that you're not alone. Motherhood is incredibly isolating, I think any track, any path you take uh, you know, being a stay at home mom, being a mom who works, either one can be incredibly isolating because you are balancing so much, you know, and I just want women to know that you're not alone. Uh, and then something I hear a lot too, that I'm starting to wrestle with is this idea of like, no one knows what they're doing, right? Mm. Which this might step on some toes. I want to push back on that a little bit and actually say, you know exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, And yeah, with your first kid, you're learning new things, but you learn new things at work all the yeah, time. Yeah. You've been learning new things your whole life. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not equipped with everything you need already yeah. to figure that out and do it really, really well. Yeah,
0: that's good, that's good. Now, uh, you said you're having your, um, so how often do y'all have meetups and what does a meetup look like? And can my wife come to it or do you gotta totally. be a member or anything no, like that? No, no, okay. no
1: member. Uh, it's usually, I try to make the cost pretty low barrier. Uh, we've done a few. I've tried to do them at some of the female co-working spaces in the city okay. uh, just to kind of invite. My prayer is always like if just one woman leaves feeling, you know, more true to herself or more equipped, then mm-hmm. it's worth it. You know, so hosting in those spaces has been important to me because I want you to find a community if you need yeah. one. You know, yeah. uh, this retreat's going to be a little bit different. We're going to host. Uh, I'm you know, believing for a huge turnout. We're hosting it at uh, OCU in one of their auditoriums in the minor school of business. Yeah. Because I also like, you know, like start yeah. a business, yeah. you know, like do yeah. your thing. Uh-huh. And then uh, we'll do the, the next day will be a full day workshop. So I'm bringing in, her name is Hillary McBride and she's um, on the liturgist podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with mm. that, but she has done PhD work and everything around women and community and embodiment and, I just think she's gonna have the right message for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've invited C.C. Jones uh, to come and MC for us. And she's a justice fighter and just, I mean, you just listen to her and you're like, just yeah, preach yeah, it for yeah. me, please. <laughs> like, I wanna hear from you. And so yeah. I've invited her to MC and I just really believe that this is the time for us to start assessing, you know, how do our employers treat moms who work? Yeah. You know, how does our city treat it? You know, like I really wanna come around that. and. Um, invite businesses in too to kind of understand like what are some things that can keep these women in the workforce? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, uh, to, it's expensive to go to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. and yeah. I just want to make sure that, you know, gals are finding places that are flexible and that you work really hard and you shouldn't lose your job because you want to go to your kids, you know, assembly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, so kind of reframing that conversation. Yeah.
0: That's really good. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about people being able to hear that, especially the the ladies in my life. I think it's so important. So we've talked about how they can find you online. Is there other places that people can find you online? Yeah, just,
1: I mean, Jenna Worthen. I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I mean, you can friend me on Facebook, but I've just like cut Facebook out. I, I don't leave Facebook happier than when I got on Facebook <laughs> right now. So I just like can't even, I've been trying. <laughs> why, but.
0: why is my wife, uh, so we, we just recently got off a of Fast and part of her Fast yeah. was getting off uh, social media. And she's like, my life is changed. I, I guess I'm not on it, it like mm-hmm. that, but there's people like, they take a break from Facebook and they're like, their life's changed. She's talking about how much more she's getting done. I think yeah. that's a big part of it. But kind of the same thing, like, I guess if you start going down your feed, just the the things that people, the negativity mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It, it just shows the mindset of a lot of people uh, when they start. Now, things happen in life. Totally. And I think that's fine to share. But when you're just straight up negative and mean, yep. it's just like, why?
1: Yeah, yeah, I just I, I want to be a part of things that invite connection, mm-hmm. you know, and curate positive conversation yeah. that can be different, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure that you and I have differences yeah. in political, faith, whatever it may be, yeah. but I just don't want to lead with that, you know? And so, yeah. like, when that's what's led with, you know, whereas Instagram at least, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm building some community yeah. with you first and uh-huh. uh, so it leaves me happy. Twitter's where I get most of my news and it can be a dumpster fire too, but, oh, yeah. you know, at least yeah. you can kind of You know, I've got a different crowd over there that I really enjoy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, which one's your go-to?
1: Yeah, Instagram or Twitter, either one. Okay. Okay. Uh, But trying to, you know, be consistent with Mom who works. We tell a lot of stories on there too. Okay. And Hetty, one of the things that's been the hardest for me is how many women I invite. To share their story and they think they're not worthy of sharing their Mm -hmm. story like Mm -hmm. my story doesn't matter or i'm just this or i'm just that Mm -hmm. you know and it's just i want to shake them because i'm like there's so much power in your story and i can't tell you i mean everybody's like oh my gosh me too oh my gosh me too you know and i think that matters yeah
0: now are you gonna be one of the speakers for the exchange
1: um, I'm not for the exchange. I did just do the Working Mom Summit yes. that Hannah hosted, and that yeah. was tremendous. Good. Yeah. Good, I was yeah. so pumped. Yeah, Hannah
0: loves you. I, you know, Hannah and our friends, and I always say, well, who's the lady that I can did you get on the pie? And she mentioned, she she talked about how much she loves you. That's sweet. The work I really
1: I think the treasury is phenomenal. And I yeah. think the way Hannah is, you know, inspiring and bringing women together, just like Amber is at the collective, you know, yeah. I, I just think that that's it's so beautiful yeah. and it's such a joy to watch them soar.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I Hattie. deeply appreciate this. You taking like you have a busy schedule, so I feel really honored that you <laughs> take time yeah. out of your schedule to jump on here and, and, and share your story.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for the work that you're doing of yeah. sharing stories yeah. because it really, really matters. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Komen podcast. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go win.